In today's show, we're talking Indiana Pacers and the fantasy basketball preview, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast your first listen every day. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. We are free and available on all platforms. My mind was racing as to what I needed to say next. We're here to talk about the Indiana Pacers, and I'll give you the tip. I am recording this. It's Monday, my time. It's Sunday night, 10 p.m., September the 18th in the States. And at this point, there has been no Buddy Heald or Miles Turner trade. It's being recorded in advance, a couple of days. So when you listen to it, sorry if they've been traded. I'll put something out separate if they do. if that deal does go down. But at the moment, I haven't. So there you go. They're still on the paces. Let's talk about the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl. Start things off here. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right. Um, do you know what it is? If you don't, it's great. It's 360-team league for categories, 360-team league for points. Points, um, also categories, uh, entries are dwarfing the points entry. So if you want in a league and, you want to, and you're okay playing points, maybe do points. LOFBBowl at gmail.com is the email address you send. In the subject line to get into the Pacers division, write Pacers Cats if you want in Category League. Write Pacers Points if you want in Points Leagues. It just helps me when I go through to search through the thousands of applications in the email that if I just you know, do a search for Pacers Points, I know that who's applied for the Pacers Points. Rather than if you write something different or confusing, it's hard. it slips through the cracks. That's what's in the subject line. In the body of the email, you need to include something, which I will mention later on in the show. And then whatever else you want to put in there. Put whatever else maybe catches my attention. Remember, there are only like 20 spots available for every every show that I do. And there are hundreds of people that enter. So I apologize for those who miss out. I'll try to get as many of you in as possible, but there are a lot of spots or a lot of people applying for very few spots. $4,500 grand prize at the end of both the category and of the points league. $25 entry into this league, which we hope is a big, big success. Let's talk Indiana Pacers. Pretty rough on the schedule side of things. 45 quality games only. That is the lowest in the league, equal lowest, because they're just not exciting. They won't be on national TV, so they'll be stuck on those big Wednesdays and big Fridays, big Saturdays. And that means it just gets a little bit harder when you're looking for a games played edge during the week. If a lot of your players come from teams on the low quality game spectrum, then they all tend to concentrate onto those high volume days. And you don't you have more start sit decisions versus free use on the lower volume days. Fourteen back to backs, which at the way that things stand at the moment, probably not a big deal. But if say Miles Turner remains on this team and gets hurt, then it will become an issue. Otherwise, no one's really set to be a guy that just sits routinely. Their playoff schedule is interesting. If you end on March nineteenth, they play nine games. Three, 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 bad. If you end on March twenty sixth, it gets better. 
They play 10 games. It's a 3-3-4 schedule. But if you end Yahoo default schedule, April 2nd, they play 11 games, 3-4-4. So it just gradually gets better. The nine games is rough, though, in the playoffs that I suggest, which is the one that ends on March the 19th. It's the one that Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl will end on as well. That is March the 19th. What impacts the projections for the pace as well? There's just a big one hanging out there at the moment, and it's the Miles Turner slash Buddy Heald trades. Are they traded at all? Are they traded together? What comes back in exchange for them? Because we know that there are players who are sitting on this roster who could slide straight into a role. If Buddy Heald goes, it's better for Duarte and Matherin. Big minutes for those guys, more production. But what if somehow it leads to a trade, let's just say, somehow with the Jazz are involved and Malik Beasley ends up in Indiana? Well, that sort of complicates it as well, doesn't it? Because he plays the same position. Like Miles Turner gets traded and then Isaiah Jackson can slide in as the starting center. But what if they get a center back? They already tried to sign DeAndre Ayton in the offseason. What if they don't think Isaiah Jackson's the guy? I'm not saying there are many options, like if they traded and got Damian Jones off the Lakers. Not that that's happening anytime soon. He's not a real threat to Isaiah Jackson. Maybe he's a little bit. But we, we just don't know. It upends so much stuff. At the moment, when I'm trying to project guys out, I have to include Heald and Turner in their roster. I've been hearing about Miles Turner being traded for five years. Has never happened. So I can't go in and project, well, Turner will play only 30 games and then he's gone. Because if I had done that for every year, I'd look foolish. I look foolish anyway sometimes, but I can't project that out. That's what that's a big issue. Yeah, Tying in with that, it impacts Hilders and Turner's projections as well. Because I might over-project them on this bad team. And if they go to a good team, they might not have anywhere near the same role. Isaiah Jackson's fouls are a problem. I expect that he will be the backup center and will start if Turner is gone. But last season when Turner went down, they did not start Isaiah Jackson. It was Goga Badadze. And Jackson had a lot of foul trouble and some ankle problems too. So what if he gets the job and can't stay out of foul trouble? Shout out Mitch Robinson and plays 23 minutes a night. Then a lot of the upside that's taken away by where he's being drafted in some spots hurts, doesn't it? You lose that all, all that value. And then Halliburton's efficiency. Torres Halliburton is a guy that a lot of the casual fantasy basketball people haven't really figured out. We'll talk about that later on. The sites ranking them haven't really figured out. But in the circles in which I move, people who listen to this show, um, people who are dialed into fantasy basketball, they're in on Halliburton. He was 22nd in categories last season. He will have an opportunity to score 20 points per game on this team. He will play big minutes on this team. His usage will go up. But as we have seen a lot, throughout the course of NBA history is when players are pushed into a number one role with a big spike in efficiency, usage, sorry, big spike in usage, efficiency can drop. Now, it didn't happen for, say, DeJounte Murray last season, but it happened for the bloke that Halliburton's replacing, Malcolm Brogdon. His efficiency dropped when his usage went up. And as often happens, like with Brogdon and with Shea Gildas-Alexander, for example, their big one of their big selling points was, hey, really good defensive numbers. And then you get more offensive responsibility, and that goes away. Now, Halliburton gets by his fantasy. Like, without even scoring 20 points per game, he can be a first-round player. He might average 18 and 10. But if the efficiency drops, if his field goal percentage drops, and if his high steal on block numbers drop, then he doesn't hit that. 
So if his efficiency doesn't stick up with increased usage and defense, defense falls off, then he's in trouble. Now, again, he's probably a common pick around the four, 13, 12 to 13, 14 range in a lot of drafts. I know some people, Zach Hanshaw at Roto World has got him as high as five. That to me is crazy. I'm going to have Zach on to talk about that. That doesn't make any sense to me at all, but that's where he's got him. Um, but there's, there's still a lot of unknowns with him and how it all plays out. And we will see how that all plays out soon. But I can tell you about Bet Online. It is your number one source for all pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all of the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this week's week three action. The Colts will be looking to do a little bit better than being shut out by the Jacksonville Jaguars, I would expect. Can they turn it around? Can Matt Ryan get the season back on track against the oh, Kansas City Chiefs? Chiefs are six and a half point favorites over at Bet Online. You can find all the odds for every game pro and college over there. BetOnline is your continued source for all sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. And it's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. Let's talk breakout candidates. And I'm going to include two of these guys on the list I just talked about, Tyrese Halliburton. Again, the bigger sites don't really realize where he is in terms of production. He could absolutely just announce himself. Much like this time last year, DeJounte Murray was not considered an all-star player. I don't think he should be anyway. Injury replacement. He was not considered that guy. The teams would want to give up multiple first-round picks to get him unprotected. He was considered okay. And then he got shoved into a starting... Well, not a starting role. He had that. But a number one usage role on a bad team and numbers went through the roof. It, the, the same might happen for Halliburton, where he's just considered a good young player for and a team fleece the Kings to get him. But he might come out and put up huge numbers on a bad team with a big opportunity. And that means I think there is a breakout potential. Improvement on a lot of what he did from last season. But again, to you and me, we, we sort of know what he's like and we expect an improvement. But I still think that a lot of people will be shocked by what happens. I think Isaiah Jackson's also a breakout candidate, but I've also just highlighted reasons why it might not happen. We need Turner gone. I like Miles Turner. I think he's a Turner, really, really good player, better than Isaiah Jackson, significantly. But the paces don't seem to agree. They've either held him back internally or they're, and then they're overvaluing him in trade discussions. I don't know where they, what the hell they're doing with him, to be honest. But I think Isaiah Jackson's got an opportunity to really break out. And I also think the bloke that they're going to start next to him, Jalen Smith, sticks there's a big chance as well. Stand by your man. Smith was rated or ranked really low on big sites, Yahoo, ESPN, and his ADP was low. It's starting to come into, into range now. He's at 106 on Yahoo. He still doesn't have a rank on ESPN, and his ADP is at 140, which is what they give to Aaron Neesmith or Daniel Tice. They've all got ADPs of 140. So Jalen Smith is still not rated well anywhere. But he should be the starting power forward. He can block shots. He can hit threes. He can rebound. He can score. He can hit free throws. He should be a round seven sort of player. I think Isaiah Jackson, I should have mentioned that before. I said Halliburton already. Turn of the first round. Um, Jackson's a guy we look at around pick 100 with top 40 upside, but that is requiring a Turner trade and no center coming back and him starting over Goga. But Smith is a really, really interesting guy who I think also maybe for dynasty leagues, this might be best case. I don't think he's a long-term top-level player on a good team. 
but he's going to have that opportunity this season to put up some really big numbers. So he's an interesting um, breakout option as well that might start to announce himself, a la Christian Wood, who put up good numbers on a Pistons team and then good numbers on a bad Rockets team. And now people think that he's the savior that Luka Doncic needs. Yeah, maybe Smith can work himself into that level of recognition uh, with a breakout campaign coming here. I think that's possible. Much like the Rockets, which was the last team we covered on this, this is a team that people don't care about. Sorry, Indiana Pacers fans. The national media, the casual basketball fan. The NBA does a pretty horrible job of marketing these sort of things, I think, because um, they're fun players here. But as you saw with the low-quality games, and it gets reflected into fantasy, because nearly every player on this team is a sleeper. Halliburton's got an ADP of 19 on Yahoo. It's too low. 12, 13, 14. And while that's not a big difference between 19, back end of the second round versus back end of the first round at that pointy end of the draft is significant. On ESPN, he's at 41. Excuse me? What? Why is Tyrese Halliburton at 41? Last year in ESPN point settings, he ranked 29th. Now, let's get something clear. He is not as good in points leagues as he is in category leagues, Halliburton. And he is more. He is a second-round player in points leagues versus a first, yeah, back-end second round, second-third turn for points leagues, whereas his first, second turn for category leagues. But 41 is nonsense. Fantrax is at 27. That's surely got to come in as well. None of that makes sense. Miles Turner. Played 29 minutes a game last year and ranked 42nd in category leagues. ESPN's ADP has him at 76. Now, there are injury risks. There are trade risks. But by the time you're at pick 55, you, this is a guy that might, he has and might block three shots a game. Might hit two threes. Might average 15 and six or seven or eight. If he plays 31 minutes, like he smashes this. 76 is too low. Talked about sticks already. He's at 106 on Yahoo. It's too low for Jalen Smith. He should be in the 70s. Fantrax could have been 100. ESPN, he's just not ranked. He's 140, default ADP. Pick up your game. Buddy Heald is at 117 on ESPN. Heald was 100th last season, but he was like top 60 when he joined Indiana. We saw things that we just hadn't seen from Heald, and he had a historically poor shooting season for him anyway. But once he got to Indiana, he was passing, he was getting assists. He's never done that before in his life. I don't know if he's going to stick in Indiana, so I'm not looking at him as a top 60 pick because if I knew that he was staying in Indiana playing 35 minutes, he probably would be a top 60 guy. But, he, but I don't know that. 80 to 95, I think he's fair. But that 117, he's just too low. Like on Fantrax, is at 93, fair. Yahoo, 83, totally fair. 117, no thanks. And Isaiah Jackson, ESPN's got him at 137. Now, actually, if I get him there, that's great value. But Fantrax has got him at 102, Yahoo 99. That's about right. Round 9, round 10. Because there is uncertainty. You can take flyers there. Who someone, even if he plays 21 minutes, can probably return that value. And then if he plays 27, well, he goes well ahead of that. And then even Chris Duarte, who I am not the biggest fan of as a long-term top-end prospect. He's 25 already. Thought he was okay last season. I don't know how much more he has to give. He's 28 minutes a game. Yep, that can go up a couple. Literally might not start, though. It might be Heald and Matherin that start. It might be Duarte. But still, at 142 on Yahoo, 136 on Fantrax, not ranked, of course, on ESPN, 
Yeah, he should be going in the 110s, 120s, with maybe top 90 upside because of the increased role and increased usage with Brogdon out of there and maybe healed out of there. In a points league, I think Matherin's going at about the right spot for category leagues. But I think for points leagues, he met 141 on Yahoo, 136 on ESPN, and unranked on... Sorry, 136 on Fantrax and unranked on ESPN. That's a really good points league pick. You grab him late, last round, and efficiency will be the problem with him. I think he'll really struggle, and he'll follow in the footsteps of guys like Green and Edwards, who as rookie shooting guards really struggle. Last time we had a rookie shooting guard put up decent numbers was probably Donovan Mitchell. And I don't really think Matherin will be that, but he could be. People are very high on Matherin, but it hasn't reflected necessarily in some of these ADPs. And in a points league, I do really like him late. What about the busts? I don't think there is any. I think Isaiah Jackson's at risk of becoming a bust if he starts pushing too high in the um, ADPs. Like he sits at 99. If that comes into 80, then I go, eh, probably too high with the, uncertain, with the uncertainty. But of course, if Turner's gone and there's no center comes back and Jackson is anointed as the starter, then 80's too low. But there is a risk. But at the moment, no one really looks like a bust in any format for Indiana. Because again, they go through that situation of being a bad team who's not really in the national consciousness at the moment. So the value of all these players slips under the radar. It happened with Houston. They lose Christian Wood. And a lot of these sites and ranking systems haven't updated that. And Indiana, they lose Brogdon. They might lose Turner and Heal. Healed. And they haven't really accounted for that either. So who am I looking at in the last round? Matherin. Yep, fine. Even in a category league, even though I, know he, I feel he will struggle, and I'm relatively confident with that, I would take him just to see in case he doesn't. Chris Duarte, take him in the last round. And the other one, did I do it because I wanted to play the sound? Problem with my Gogomobile. Gogomobile. No, not the dark. Not the dark. That's not why I did it. But if we hear something about Turner, Goga is not a bad guy to grab with the last round because, as I said last season, Goga started and he was fantasy relevant. And if Turner is gone and we don't hear who's replacing him, there's probably a 30% chance that it is Goga. And if he's starting and you grabbed him with pick 152, well, you're laughing. So I wouldn't prioritize him. And there's a few things that need to happen there. Mainly Turner needs to be dealt. But there's still something there with Goga who could produce maybe even for half a season. With your last round pick, it's not terrible. Let's look at the roster. We've talked Halliburton. He's a turn first round, second round guy. Probably second, third for points. Duarte, grab him round 10, round 11. Probably more value for him. Oh, actually about similar value in category or points. He's going at a discount. I think Buddy Heald starts as well. And at that point, 100 in, on ESPN, 117. In 90s on Yahoo, that's fine. He could easily beat that if he stays in Indiana. Don't think he will though. Jalen Smith, Sticks has great value. And then Miles Turner, we've talked about already. We've talked about all those guys. Value in everyone. Then there's Matherin coming off the bench, who I think, again, will hurt with efficiency, won't rebound well, don't know if he gets steals or blocks or um, many assists, but she hit some threes and points, but the problem will just be efficiency. But it's worth having a crack with a last-round pick. I think if you do it, you'll end up dropping him, but it's worth having a look in case he figures it out straight away. There's Isaiah Jackson, who's coming off the bench at this point. There's TJ McConnell. Don't forget about TJ, who in the past... 
before Rick Carlisle got there, would play too many minutes and he'd generate big assists and big steal numbers. Now, Carlisle, I worried that he wouldn't fit McConnell or McConnell wouldn't fit Carlisle's system and I was right. And then McConnell got hurt. But he still can be at least an interesting stream sort of option when you're looking for assists and steals. I think he's ranked a little bit too low, like 252x rank on Yahoo. But ESPN's got him at 137, which makes no sense. He was 147th in 24 minutes tonight, McConnell. Now, if they do keep this roster, then Duarte, Matherin, Heald, and Halliburton all get minutes over him. So he probably doesn't play 24 minutes tonight. It doesn't really make sense for him as a 30-year-old man on this rebuilding team to be siphoning minutes away from the younger guys. Yes, his presence there is important. But when he's on the court, everything needs to be tailored to him. And that's not really the best way to develop other players who you're prioritizing. So I don't think he gets those 24 minutes, maybe 21, 22. But it's still got assists and steal value. And then Brissett. I know a lot of people really like Brissett. I do not. I don't think he's very good. Last season, he played 23 minutes a night. He was the 285th ranked fantasy player. 213th in category leagues. He is the backup to Jalen Smith. And given that there is Turner, Badadze, and Isaiah Jackson around, I don't think Smith is going to play any minutes at center, meaning that Jackson's playing the minutes behind Smith. Now, can Brissett play small forward? I guess so. You don't really want him to. There is no real small forwards on this team, though. You don't really want him to, but I just don't think there's any point in investing. Like he's getting an ADP of 143, 147 on Yahoo and Fantrax respectively, old mate um, O'Shea Brissett. And I don't really get it. But I do get that you need to tell me about O'Shea Brissett in the email to get into the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl. How old is O'Shea Brissett? And who was the first team that he played for in the NBA? The answer is he's 24 and he played for the Raptors. So drop that in your lofbbowl at gmail.com. That's the email you're sending it to. Paces cats, paces points in the subject. And you're telling me that Brissett is 24 and he played for the Raptors. That's the question that I'm asking. There's the answer. Yeah, I don't know why he's being drafted in last rounds. I got no idea. None whatsoever. Um... Goga, I talked about him already. What did the Red Rooster, Terry Taylor? A center in a small forward's body, really big rebounder. But remember, again, someone that people frothed over last season. But once players came back, he just got eliminated from the roster. And Smith and Jackson and Turner and Badadze and Brissett are all there. Players can get cleared out, but Taylor does not have, at this point, a regular rotation role. We've seen him put up good numbers, but that was when a lot of guys were out. So just be aware of him without getting too excited about him. Aaron Neesmith got, came across in the Brogdon trade. I don't think Aaron Neesmith is an NBA caliber rotation player, but at least he's got close enough size to be a three. And allegedly he can shoot. We haven't really seen it in the NBA. So I guess keep an eye on him if he moves, but I, I, I don't see it. Daniel Tice is in the Larry Nance school of, oh, he plays for this team. I don't see when he's going to play, but what if he plays? Like what if Tice is the backup to Turner and then Jackson and Badadze, they just don't play. What if that happens? I would lose my mind, but it's possible. Like, why is he on this team still? What if he plays him? Oh, that'll annoy me. Kendall Brown just signed a two-way. Good defensive wing. He's got wing size. He's only 19. I wouldn't expect much out of him, but if they are lacking on the wing defensively and Matherin and Duarte as a combo isn't getting it done, he could easily fit in as Carlisle's Dorian Finney-Smith. He needs to take some more threes, but I think it could come. Andrew Nembhard, I don't know. He is the, he's the new TJ McConnell, maybe. He's not going to play initially. And then there's Davidas Savitas. I can't believe he 
remains somehow on an NBA roster. They signed a bunch of guys, Gabe York, Benny Boatwright, James Johnson. Oh, we get to do it one more time, James Johnson. Let's go. They signed James Johnson to a training camp deal, along with Gabe York, Benny Boatwright, David Stockton, all those sort of guys. Don't think they're going to make the roster, but there is, I believe, an open roster spot, is there? I think there is. No, there's not, actually. No, there's no open. There's an open two-way spot. There's no open roster spot. Not that they're going to make any difference, and that is it for the Indiana Pacers. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. Thumb it up. Leave your comments down below as well, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.